Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well, something on my mind here on Alex Garrett Podcasting has to be the fact that we might have actually seen common sense at the ballot box in certain places in America last night on election night. And someone who loves to champion common sense, if you will, Richard V. Battle, is with me tonight once again. Um, he is the author of Navigating Life's Journey, Common Sense in Uncommon Times. He's very well re- connected in Texas, and he, he's following the political scene. But is it wrong to say, Richard, that common sense prevailed in not only Virginia, we'll start there, but also Minneapolis, where they said, yes, keep the police department. No, I don't think it's... Uh uncommon to say common sense prevailed last night at all. I think that's what shocked so many of the so-called professionals who were trying to steer people to uh, predetermined outcomes was that the voters took it upon themselves to look past the media and see what the real issues were and vote with common sense. And were you shocked? Well, I wasn't shocked because it's it's interesting to me that our political class lives and the, the way I say it is we're governed by career politicians in Washington, four career lobbyists in Washington, executed by career bureaucrats in Washington, and protected by career media in Washington. And they have the game so set up that most of the time they can steer people to do what they want. But because of the mask and vaccine mandates that we've gone through, I think people have all of a sudden become more alert, started paying more attention. And they saw through the propaganda and saw the differences in candidates and which ones were the common sense candidates versus which ones were the professional politicians. Uh, we'll get to New Jersey in a minute because I don't know the recounts coming. It might, but you just mentioned the vaccine mandates and the mask mandates. Richard, is it offbeat to say that if the lockdowns weren't as extenuous on the American, you know, the average American, people wouldn't mind taking the vaccine? But because of the strenuous lockdowns and the ongoing, seemingly never ending, they got tired of it and they felt that this wasn't. It wasn't the vaccine as much as it is control, right? Well, I think it's control. There's been a lot of confusion. And uh, people see that there's a lot more political influence versus medical science. Uh, When certain parties say follow the science, 
what they're really saying is follow the political science. That's the only science they believe in. Everything else is just a tool to help the political science work in their favor. Now, I know that you're you deal with litigation and whatnot. Have you in Texas and in Austin actually, you said that they voted to keep the police, but have you seen litigation against sort of the the liberal parts of Texas that we don't normally see? Well, no, and what happened yesterday in Austin was there was a proposition ballot to refund the police at two officers per 1,000 people, and it failed, and the uh, liberal establishment wanted it to fail, and George Soros-backed groups provided the lion's share of the money against it, and Austin defunded the police by a bigger percentage than any other city last year, and they tried to mask and hide it, but they were caught, and so it's, it's really interesting that they were able to deter this particular proposition because it wasn't sold well in all this outside money uh, because they said that two officers per 1,000 residents would bankrupt the city and they'd have to cut all these other services. Well, two officers per 1,000 citizens is about average or maybe even below average in the country. So that wasn't the real issue. That was a red herring that was used. Richard, I've got to I've got to ask you. Speaking about red herrings and and masking, I, I feel like in Virginia they were trying to distract from Youngkin's campaign. Meaning, yeah, the Lincoln Project through the tiki torches. You had the, even supporters bring out the the flag that was used in the riot. But it seemed that the media's spin on that was rejected by Virginians, considering Youngkin won last night. Well, yes, and I think what's even more amazing is the lieutenant governor, who is a first-generation American. She was from Jamaica, joined the Marine Corps before she became a citizen. Uh, She's a black woman, a conservative, and she won as lieutenant governor. And you didn't see much about that race because the opposition to Youngkin used race to try to defeat him. And if they would have brought the lieutenant governor candidate into the discussion, it would have accused the Republicans of being racist since they had the black candidate on the ticket. Exactly. And and, and the Democrats don't want any of that to be shown, uh, as we've seen time and time again. But I've got to ask, is this a comfort, knowing what happened last night, and even knowing the challenge Murphy has gotten in New Jersey by Cittarelli, is there a comfort to regular Americans tonight that, yes, 2022 could be salvageable, that there could be some movement to common sense? Well, yes, absolutely, because there's been a groundswell of people becoming more involved in exercising their citizenship the last few months, and we see it at school board meetings across the country, and this will feed that fire and inspire people that, yes, we can make a difference, and what I tell people because uh, they say, gosh, this is, there's so many things going on, I can't make a difference. And so I tell them, none of us can make a difference everywhere. Pick out one area that you really are passionate about and help and volunteer in that particular area. And if enough citizens do that across the country, the common sense people will prevail just like we did yesterday. So with Richard V. Battle, and Richard, always love having you, by the way. Uh, second time on, and you've 
you've got this positive outlook. And I have to ask you, in a political sphere, how do you stay so positive? Because the cycle could bring you down fairly quickly. Well, obviously, if we lose, it's disheartening just like it is anything else. But I try to keep a a bigger picture, uh, a longer term. Uh, I have a faith in a creator who I believe has has this uh, game figured out and the ending is known. And so that and trying to keep a longer perspective is better. And the analogy I use, it's like watching the stock market. The stock market was down 500 points today. It makes you feel bad about today. But if you back up, and look at a longer period of time, a year, two years, five years, et cetera, the longer perspective you look, the less uh, dramatic today's loss looks. Mm. And so it's the same thing with our life. If we back up and look longer term perspective, there's a lot more positive to look at than negative. I want to ask you about, and that is just so true. And I feel like I have to remind myself of that too, in the, in the nitty gritty of it, right? Like even in a campaign, you lose sight of that, don't you? Well, yes, because that's what the media and the politicos want us to do. They want us to focus on now. Forget our past successes in history. Forget the future. Focus on right now. And if we do that, if we just watch the news today for hours, we're going to be depressed because there's nothing but discouragement and disheartening type news. And we have to ration our intake of that and keep things in their proper perspective to keep a good positive long-term outlook and so how do you do that because i know you coach people literally on common sense it's one of the features you've invested in so how do you coach people through this um and help them see the common sense help them see the positivity well and one of the things you you asked when we first uh Connected this evening, I just uh, launched a new book last week, Life's Daily Treasure. It's 366 doses of hope, optimism, personal growth, and encouragement. And basically, I have material for every day of the year. It takes a minute or two to read, but there's three quotes uh, of inspiration and motivation uh, based on 31 subjects. Every day of the month has a different subject like encouragement or grace, or love, or heart, or honor. And then I'm sick and tired last year of people bashing the country. And so I have three listings that are positives about United States, uh, mm-hmm. historical figures, birth dates, and then anniversaries of American successes. Because the people who are tearing the country down have never done anything to help create or build. They just try to destroy. And I think we need to go back and recognize and reclaim our heroes. None of them were perfect, but we need to appreciate the positive things they did that contributed to the good life we live today. Well, I don't want to give the book away, so I'm not going to ask you what three positives of America, but could you give us a little taste? Well, yes. Uh, And for example, today's November 3rd, And today's birthday is Stephen F. Austin, the founder of Texas in 1793. Uh, 1952, Clarence Bird's Eye Bark, it's the peaks. And we kind of laugh about that today. But if you think back about how food was 70 years ago, that was a big thing, having a frozen package of of food that you could take Mm -hmm. out of your freezer and heat up. Uh, for dinner versus having to prepare food different ways. Mm. Uh, And the national day today is National 
housewives day and some some of the listings are humorous but uh, others like we see the birthday and the anniversary are very important for us to remember the bricks that were placed to build our country over these years you know you talk about positives and i mean we can't not talk about george washington in that moment and people don't realize i'm sure you do that in his will he said free the slaves remember and and to me, people don't want to think about how he actually took the time to do that, to recognize, yes, slavery was wrong. Well, yes, and of course, it's such a complex issue, and it was divisive at the time of the, of the Declaration and the Constitution, and the only reason it was permitted to stand was that was the only way that the colonies would come together to fight the British for independence. If they would have insisted on that purity at the moment, then we'd still be part of Britain today. Hmm. I know Juneteenth actually revolves around Texas. Uh, Galveston, as a matter of fact. Uh, and to me, it's a, it's a day worth honoring because that's when the last of the slaves were free. But do you feel like they're honoring it for a different reason? Not to, well, I didn't yes. mean to go down this path, but now I'm just curious your thoughts. Well, for my my entire lifetime, Juneteenth was always celebrated uh, by the African-American community, and it was made a state holiday in Texas about 20 years ago. And, and for your audience, uh, a, a federal ship landed in Galveston, Texas. General Gordon Granger got off and informed the slaves for the first time that they were free on June 19th. 1865 and so it was it's always been a big day in texas uh, it's become a federal holiday now and i think it should demonstrate the commitment and sacrifice that was made by several hundred thousand men to provide that freedom at the mm. time and yes it, it should have been done earlier but it could have been done later and those those people back in those days paid a hefty price to go ahead and, and make that freedom. And there's been a lot of efforts to make amends over the years uh, for that. I want to talk about uh, another sort of patriotic guy, which is Paul Revere, because when I saw Virginia turn red, when I saw, I felt like that was Paul Revere saying, Hey, the, you know, you know, they, it was a warning shot to the Democrats. Don't mess with us. It felt like that was like Paul Revere riding in the middle of the night to change things. America? Well, the way I kind of think about it very similarly is that the election yesterday, the voters reminded the politicians of their limits and that the voters were wa watching and that the politicians worked for the voters. And too often, and we saw it with the governor candidate McAuliffe in Virginia, uh, he was very arrogant and condescending when he talked about parents' involvement in, in the schools, like he had a God-given right to rule people and people shouldn't ask him any questions about how he was going to do it. And as, as I described a couple of years ago, I believe uh, the Democrat platform normally is trust me and don't ask any questions because they have this God-given right, they believe, an entitlement to be the ruling party. I want to ask you about places that aren't yet blue, be, or aren't yet red, rather. We saw California have a recall, but that failed. Um, we see New York have a governor's race next year. Should the Democrats of New York State be worried if they're... And I'm in New York, but I want an outsider's perspective on this. Seeing what happened in Virginia and New Jersey, could New York have a chance at turning red? 
Well, I think there's always a chance, obviously, in places like California and New York, it's much more difficult, Massachusetts and some other states, it's much more difficult. But I grew up in Texas where there had been nothing but Democrats for 100 years after the Civil War. And yes, you had liberal Democrats and, and conservative Democrats, but there were no Republicans elected until the late 1970s, early 1980s. And so we started like California, New York, Massachusetts, and other places are now. And it took election election to build Republican strength up to make the Republicans competitive. And then now they're the leading party. Uh, the Democrats are competitive now, but it's a two-party state. And I think that can happen in every state in the union if common sense principles, if we go back and remind people of the uniqueness of our country's foundings and the greatness of the ideals, people want to sacrifice the ideals of the Declaration and Constitution. That's not the problem. Those ideals are really great. The problem are the people who try to rule or lead the country are flawed. And we, if we force people to lead by those ideals of the Constitution, and when we do that, we're much more successful than when the politicians veer off and do things their own way. No, with Richard V. Battle. Richard, it's uh, it, it's been great talking to you so far, but I've got to ask, you just mentioned about split party, and it, it dinged in my head to ask you this. I am more wanting a Senate that goes Republican than the House, because I think getting both is a little bit of a tall task. But how important would it be in 2022 if the Senate goes in Republican control? That way they can sort of moderate what the heck the House is doing. Well, that's exactly true. And, and of course, we have a risk right now of the Senate abolishing the filibuster rule, which to me would be tragic because, remember, in a constitutional republic, unlike a democracy, it protects the minorities from being abused. Yes, they can lose certain votes because of the majority, but it keeps the majority from abusing them. Whereas in a pure democracy, the minority is totally abused by the majority. And so the, if, we can, if the Republicans can win the Senate, that would eliminate that threat in a balanced government in, in that regard would be much healthier than what we're seeing now. Uh, for example, these uh, infrastructure bills that are so up in front right now and the Democrats are fighting with each other back and forth. Well, I think if they would have been more moderate on those bills, they could have gotten some Republican support and got some of that stuff done, but they took off as far as they could to the left, which makes it much tougher. Uh, my dad used to tell me in, about the stock market that the bulls make money and the bears make money and the hogs get led to the slaughterhouse. Mm. And so right now, I think in Congress, they're trying to be hogs, trying to get too big a bite of the apple, so to speak, uh, by that bill. And they, they can't get any Republican support and they can't even get all the Democrats to agree with each other. I was going to say, if, if it wasn't for Joe Manchin and cinema, we would really be sold up a river right now, I feel. So thank God for that. Well, I'm thankful for them right now, but I have to be candid and say that I don't put my trust in them. I think if they get the deal they want, then they will vote for it. Uh, 
we just have to hope that they hold the line. And uh, if they do that, it's as good a bill as possible. But uh, I hope that they'll hold the line and neither of those bills will pass. Richard, you mentioned the you mentioned the school boards and clearly Texas and Virginia. You've got a lot of blue collar workers in both uh, parents who care. Was the Merrick Garland memo a, a election killer for the Democrats that maybe not even talked about that much? Well, I, I don't think it helped. And I think it showed more about the politicization of the attorney general's office than anything else, that they would take an issue like that and get involved, whereas normally the attorney general's office would have stayed out of that and just let let it be for the local school districts. And when they got involved, I think that scares Americans that too many of the agencies are becoming politicized and there's a fear if the IRS gets these extra agents and starts coming after people based on how much money you're spending and things of that nature. I think those are the type of things that scare people. Richard, I've got to ask you, uh, um, what what do you do when you're not focused on politics? Like, how do you uh, how do you spend your days? Because I never asked that the first time around. I'm curious. You're a writer. You're a motivational speaker. And obviously politics isn't on your brain all the time, right? Well, no, not at all. And uh, I have several other interests, including sports, including uh, practicing my faith, including family, including trying to help people with motivation through interviews like this, speaking, writing, other types of things, because I, I think that I've had a lifetime of experience practical experience, not theoretical experience, that I try to share with people so that they can look at it and say, wow, uh, if I can learn from Richard's failure or success, then I can experience success without having to experience a failure, for example. And I get a great joy out of every time I hear of someone who says, hey, I appreciate that idea. It helped me where I'm at. Tell me your story then, because I we touched on it a little bit, but how did you get so invested in common sense to write about it? Well, first thing is I never dreamed of writing one book, much less eight, which I have published <laughs> now. And the first book was published 33 years ago, which is pretty unbelievable. And as I kidded my high school classmates at a reunion, my English teacher would have said she couldn't have believed I, believed I read a book, much less <laughs> wrote one. But what happened was I had experiences. The first book was written about leadership based on uh, a significant volunteer leadership experience I had. And the second book was written about the loss of my son who in the, the faith and the provision of God helping me get through that, for example. And all eight of them, which can be seen at richardbattle.com or Amazon or other booksellers, uh, all of them have unique stories why why I put that out trying to help with particular ideas to share with people and uh and remind us the website one more time because I'd love to I'd love people to go to it it's richardbattle.com richardbattle.com well Richard this has been a true pleasure to have you back on you're always your voice you know you've got a very cheerful mentality about you a hopeful one and a, a very like as a friend would say idealistic and I think we need more of that to keep us around as a country, if you will. 
Well, yes, and I've not succeeded at everything, but I believe that we can't achieve anything positive with a negative attitude. And so we have to start with our attitude. And then there's opportunities for us to do bigger and better things and grow and enjoy life. And that's what we're all here for. And if I can add to anybody's enjoyment of life and fulfillment of life, I've achieved my mission. Well, I think people just hearing your positivity is going to help that. And I know it was years ago, but my condolences about losing a son, that's, that can't be easy to even write about. Uh, no, and I did not write that originally as a book. It was my journals, and I shared it with a family in church who had a son they lost five months after I lost my son, and they encouraged me to put that into a book and share it with other people. And so that was the genesis of that. Do you feel that, while I have you, do you feel that people tend to just keep that all bottled in? And and, and would your advice be not to bottle those hardships in anymore, that just let it out and, and, and let people, you know, be motivated and inspired even from those stories too? Well, yes, uh, because... When you have a loss like that, people don't know what to say to you. They, Their heart goes out to you. They don't know what to say. Sometimes they don't say anything. And I, I did that once when I had a cousin who lost her son. I didn't say anything to her. I, and this was before I lost my son. And then sometimes people will reach out and say something well-meaning, but it's not helpful. And so I was trying to share for people who may have a loss. Here's what I experienced. Here's what helped me get through it. And if any of this can help you, then it would enhance and add impact to my son's life. Mm. Well, Richard, God bless you. And thank you for again joining us. And I'd love to have you back on um, for more conversation. My pleasure, Alex. It's great to be with you and uh, better days are ahead and God bless America. God bless the USA. God bless America. I'm Alexander Garrett. We're always adapting. We're always trying to better this country and folks like Richard Battle uh, are in this fight too, and I love that. So stay tuned to Alex Garrett Podcasting for so much more.